Our 20-minute series on Halacha, Rosh Hashanah, is coming a week from today. Well, already we'll be in the first afternoon of uh, Rosh Hashanah, believe it or not. Listening to the shofar, fulfilling the mitzvah, the main mitzvah of Rosh Hashanah, of course, is the listening to the shofar. So let's ask the question. How many shofar blasts do I actually need to hear? Now, this is an important question because in shul, we're going to blow 100. We're going to blow 30 before musaf. We're going to blow 30 during musaf. And then we blow 40 at the end. And then the question is, if you go to one of the local shofar blowings, we're not going to blow 100 around town throughout the afternoon. How much, how many are we actually required to hear? And where did we end up with what the Torah says, blow the shofar? How did we get to the stage where we are? So let's just go through this. this is a, it's a little bit confusing simply because the words that are used, particularly the word teruah, has several different meanings, and that confuses matters. But we're going to work this through as best we can and build up to explain what happened and how we got to where we are and how much we actually need to hear. That goes as follows. The Torah defines Rosh Hashanah as a Yom Teruah. That is the day of Rosh Hashanah. Sometimes the Torah calls it a Zichron Teruah, a remembrance of the Teruah. Sometimes we call it the Yom Teruah, the day of the Teruah, which the Gemara very famously says, yeah, when it's on Shabbos, that's the hint that the Torah says, it's okay not to blow the shofar, it's just a remembrance of the Teruah. But this year, we don't have that situation. We're going to blow shofar on both days of Rosh Hashanah. It's a day of Teruah. Which leads to the question of, well, what exactly is a true and how do we fulfill that mitzvah? So the Gemara goes into several stages. The first stage is that the Gemara notes that the word teruah appears three different times in the discussion of the Mo'adim. When the Torah discusses the Chagim, the Yom Tovim, um, three different times the word teruah is used. And from that, the Gemara derives that the mitzvah on Rosh Hashanah, therefore, is to blow a teruah three times. That's the requirement to blow a trua. Now, of course, the next question is, what does a trua sound like? If that's what I need to do, and I need to blow it three times in order to fulfill the mitzvah, what sound is the trua that I need to blow three times? So the Gemara, basing itself on the targum, the, in, the uh, interpretation into, or the translation into Aramaic of the word trua of yibava, which means like a cry, a whimper, um, or maybe even more of a cry, a stronger cry, but that the word teruah is a broken sound that sounds like a cry. And we find that word yibava, that same word, that, which is a translation of the word teruah, in the story of in Tanakh, in the story of Sefer Shoftim, the book of the judges, there's a story, there's a general that caused the Jews all sorts of trouble by the name of Sisra. And he was a ruthless uh, general who uh, waged a number of wars. And eventually the Jews fought back under the guidance of the prophetess Devorah together with Barak. And they uh, defeated Sisera. When Sisera was defeated, he fled to what he thought was a colleague and a comrade who would protect him, Hever Hakeni, who was married to a woman by the name of Yael. And Yael, as the Tanakh tells us, when he, she fed uh, this Sisra, this general, uh, some nice warm milk and gave him some food to eat, made him nice and sleepy, he fell asleep. And then she drove the peg of the tent through his forehead and uh, put an end to uh, Sisra. The Navi tells us that Sisra, who had been undefeated in battle, had a mother. And like all good mothers, 
always wanted to get nachas from her children, no matter how old and successful he had been, and she would wait by the window for him to arrive with the spoils of war from all of his exploits. And the Navi describes in the poem that we describe, uh, uh, that Devora, the Navi puts together uh, after this battle, that she, so to speak, sat by the window crying, awaiting her son to come home, but he never came home. And so the Talmud has two interpretations. What did her cry sound like? The word yibuv, the yibava of this cry that is the word teruah. And the Gemara says two interpretations. It was either the cry of a three-pronged, like, like that kind of cry, or it was a, which are the two types of cries, which you'll, of course, remember. The first one is what we call a shvarim. The three broken sounds that we blow over the shofar, or it's the what we call a trua of those are the two interpretations the Gemara gives as to what is the broken sound when the Torah says blow a trua. What exactly is the sound of that broken trua? It's one of uh, one of those two. Give me one second, and I will uh, mute everybody. If I don't get to you first, you can mute yourselves. Um, I need to make myself a host to do that. Sorry about that. Whoever's speaking, if you could please mute yourself. Okay. Um, okay, in any case, so the Gemara said the two interpretations, the two uh, as to what exactly the, um, the, the, the cry is. The Gemara then says something else. The Gemara says a separate thing. Not only do we have to blow this trua three times, but the Gemara understands from various psukim that whenever you blow a trua, which we now have two interpretations of what it is, whether or not it's the three-pronged sound, what we call shvarim, or it's the nine short ones, which we call a trua. Whenever you blow that, it needs to be preceded by a tekiah, a long, straight blast, and it needs to be followed by a tekiah, so that a trua never stands alone. We don't blow just a broken sound. We always blow a broken sound preceded and followed by a tekiah, which is what we're familiar with. Tekiah, trua, tekiah, and that's how it goes. Now, what that would net would be, if the trua is uh, that we need to blow three times is what we call the shvarim, the three-pronged broken sound, that would require a tekiah, then the shvarim, then a tekiah, and then you repeat that three times. Tekiah, shvarim, tekiah, tekiah, shvarim, tekiah, tekiah, shvarim. We've now blown what we call a trua, assuming the interpretation is the shvarim, the three sound. Each one preceded and followed by a tekiah. That's a total of nine. Then we say, well, maybe the trua is not the shvarim. Maybe the real interpretation of what the Torah called the trua is the nine short ones. And if that's the case, then really we need to blow a tekiah trua, what we call trua tekiah, and then another tekiah followed by a trua and another, and then a third time, which is now a total of 18. We denine if it's the what we, if they're trua, that we need to blow three times again, when the Torah uses the word trua, if that type of trua is what we call a shvarim, the three, then we need nine. If it's really what we call the trua, which is not, the nine short ones, then we need nine blasts. But maybe the Gemara says, the real interpretation of a trua that we need to blow three times is both together. 
It's a shvarim trua. That's the type of cry. It's the oh, 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 oh. people cry like that too. Maybe that's the type of cry where we put them together. If that's the trua that we have to blow three times, that means I need to do a tikkia first. Then shvarim trua both together followed by a tikkia. Then a tikkia, a second shvarim trua followed by a tikkia, and then the third time tikkia. That's a total of twelve. That means some total, in order to make sure that we've fulfilled what the Torah says, blow a teruah three times. And since the teruah that I need to blow three times need to be preceded and followed by a tekiah, and since I have three potential interpretations as to what the teruah that the Torah wants me to blow, what does the broken sound like a cry sound like? Is it just the three? Is it the nine? Is it both together? I'm going to do every possibility preceded and followed by a tekiah, and that will guarantee that I have fulfilled the Torah's commandment of blowing three teruahs with a tekiah before and a tekiah after. And that is the sum total of 30. That is where we get the number 30 from, and that's what we do. What we've then done after that is, we, where would we blow those 30? When do we fulfill the Torah's commandment of blowing the 30? So we do that during Musaf. Ashkenazim, and it seems to me that everybody on this particular call is of the Ashkenazi persuasion. Ashkenazim have the tradition of doing it not during our silence Musaf, but when the Chazan does his repetition and he gets through the three stages of Malchios, Zechronos, and Shofros, the three major components of Musaf, at the end of each stage he stops and we blow 10, 10, 10, and that gives us a total of the 30 in fulfillment of that which the Torah has asked of us to blow a tekiah, a trua, a tekiah, and then of all the different possibilities of what the trua is. The sages then added an addition to the 30 that the Torah requires us to blow during Musaf. The, the Torah doesn't require when to blow it. That's when the sages said we should blow the, the, the shofar of, uh, of Rosh Hashanah. The sages added an additional 30 before Musaf which is what we do as well, before we even start Musaf, right after laning and the Haftorah and the rabbi's uh, inspiring sermon on Rosh Hashanah, then we blow 30 right then and there before we start Musaf. So that we do 30 before, and the 30 that we blow are all the possibilities, uh, as we just discussed. Then we daven Musaf, and in the repetition we, daven, we do 10, 10, and 10 throughout Musaf to give us another 30. And that gives us the 60, 30 that the Torah requires of us, and 30 that the sages added that we should have an additional, an additional 30, uh, 30 blasts. It's interesting, um, normally when we do things, we would fulfill the Torah commandment first and then we add the rabbinic level. Here, because of various reasons, the way the sages established it is, it's almost reversed. The first 30 that we blow, which gets all of this significance and everybody gathers together and we make the bracha and it's like exciting. Those are the ones that the sages enacted and the ones that the Torah would have required of us alone actually happen after that. Those happen during Musaf. But that's the way that, uh, that the morning uh, developed. Normally, also, just one other historical note, normally we fulfill a mitzvah as early as we can in the morning. That's uh, the principle called Zrizin Makdimin Lamitzas. We those who have alacrity, who are excited to fulfill the mitzvahs, jump in and do them as soon as they can. That's a normal procedure. And here we don't do that. We actually delay 
hearing the shofar until after laning, after the sermon. It's like way into the morning by the time we blow shofar, which is a historical uh, nod to periods in Jewish history where blowing the shofar early in the morning caused us all sorts of problems because it sounded like a bugle, which was a call to war. And when we were living in foreign territories, which were not always so uh, 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 peaceful, shall we say, to the Jews, and they were always looking for some excuse to cause problems, gathering the Jews together in their synagogues and blowing a shofar uh, in, in a number of historical incident instances ended poorly. Um, and therefore the sages said, you know, just push it back. We, we'll dive in before Musaf. That's clearly not going to be a call to war. Nobody, nobody starts a war at 11 o'clock in the morning. Um, and so that was just a little bit of a safer thing. And that's why we blow at the time that we do, which is a little bit later. In addition to the 60 that we've already done, the 30 that the rabbis enacted, the 30 that we have to do from the Torah's perspective, the, the sages developed a custom. This is now, a, uh, we have like the Torah 30, we have the rabbinic 30, and then we have a custom that the Jewish people developed to blow a full hundred over the course of the day. And since we've already done 60 by the time Musaf has ended, you'll see, and as you've experienced from years past, we add 40 at the very end of Musaf. And that is just to fulfill the custom of blowing a hundred. The reason for a hundred, a number of reasons are, uh, are offered. Why specifically the number hundred? But that is a custom. My goal today is really just to focus on how many do you have to wear to the So we have the 30 that the Torah requires. We have the 30, that's a, a mitzvah midrabanan. The rabbis added the 30. And then we have the custom of the additional 40 to round out the number at 100. This is why in shul we fulfill the rabbinic uh, mitzvah of the additional 30. The rabbis enacted in shul we should blow shofar before musaf. But if a person is not in shul and they're just hearing a shofar blowing in their house or in a park or wherever the situation may be, there the custom is just to blow the 30 that we know are required, that the mitzvah, the rabbinic blows are in the context of davening before musaf, we blow the additional 30. But if you're just hearing shofar, not in the context of shul, you're just, uh, whatever, again, at home or in the park, we blow the 30. In shul, we'll end up with the 60 and then the 100, but the only requirement is to hear the, um, the 30, and that is the, the custom that we do when we're blowing uh, outside, you know, just for an individual or a, uh, a small group. One other very important um, uh, halacha that I just want to mention we make brachas when we fulfill this uh, mitzvah. Like all mitzvahs, uh, just about almost all mitzvahs that we do, we make a bracha. We actually make two brachas. We make the, the bracha l'shmoa kol shofar, to hear the sound of the shofar. We make a shechianu. Uh, since we, it's been a year, this is a, a yearly mitzvah like we do in all brachas. So the question is, this happens many times in shul, uh, where when do we make those two brachas in shul? So, and who makes those two brachas? So in shul, that bracha is made by the bal tokeya, the person who's blowing the shofar, right before he blows for the first time, which is again in those 30 that we blow before musaf. That's when we make the brachas and we blow the first 30. When we then blow the 30 in the midst of musaf, in the groups of 10, 10, and 10 during the repetition of the Shemona Esrei, there's no bracha that's made then because the person who's blowing the shofar already made the bracha 25, 30 minutes earlier before musaf began. However, what happens often in shul is someone, maybe a woman, maybe a man, it doesn't matter, missed the original 30 brachas in shul, and they're coming in at Musaf, they daven Shemona Esrei, now they're going to hear the 30 that are blown during Musaf, or maybe they missed the first 60 
They missed the 30 before Musaf. They missed the 30 during Musaf. And they're just coming in during the last 10 minutes. They want to hear the final 40 blasts, which is sufficient to fulfill their obligation because you only really need to hear the 30. They're going to hear the 40. But there's no bracha that's being made because the bracha was already made much earlier. What should that person do? And the answer is, right before they start blowing shofar, the individual from their seat should make both brachas. Open up your machzer, open it up to the pages right before Musaf, where the machzer um, lists what we're going to do with original shofar blowing. You'll find the two brachas over there, and you make your brachas yourself. Even though everybody else in shul around you, they already heard the bracha, they've already heard 30, they've already heard 60, They may, well, however many they've already heard. But you're hearing it now for the first time. You're about to fulfill a mitzvah. We should make a bracha before fulfilling the mitzvah. So the first time that you hear shofar, you would make the bracha. So in a home blowing or at a, uh, in a park. So there also, whoever's blowing the shofar will likely appoint somebody to make the brachas for everybody. But if you make it to shul and you missed the brachas, so just make the brachas right before you hear your first blast, and then you'll, you'll listen to all of the blasts that you need um, there in shul, and you'll have made the brachas yourself. Oh, just an important halacha, because otherwise you'll, you won't have heard the brachas and you won't have made them, but there's no reason not to. You should make the brachas like anybody else on the fulfillment of this, uh, of this mitzvah. That is, I hope, a, a clear, a quick summary of how many a person actually needs to hear, how we develop that, where they are, and uh, what to do over, uh, over Rosh Hashanah. Comments, questions.